Good morning, Fox Valley Church. I uh, apologize if I sound a little sniffly coming over a small cold. Um, but if you don't know who I am, my name is Julian, and I serve as the, uh, I work with our life group ministry. I also work with Connections, and then I serve as our gym shepherd and uh, the gym service. So we're going through a three-week series on change, and we saw a couple weeks ago, Pastor Tom, he kicked off that series, and he talked about how it's the gospel power that produces change. And then last week, we had Pastor Brad talk about how love produces change. And then this morning, we're going to be looking at how perseverance produces change. So if you could please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. So if you want to pull up a device, or if you have a paper Bible, or the third option is if you forgot your Bible, it's totally fine. There should be one underneath the seat in front of you, and you could actually take that and you can keep it. So this is the word of the Lord this morning, Philippians 3, 12 through, through, uh, through 16. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on and make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in, if, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. You may be seated. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we pray for your word that you would use the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, that they'd be acceptable before you, Father, and that those listening here would have ears to hear what you are calling them to hear, Father, and that it would fall on good soil and that they'd be receptive to what you are wanting them to hear this morning, Father. We pray for your word as it's proclaimed, God. We thank you in your name. Amen. So our main idea this morning is godly perseverance leads to godly character. And the reason why I have godly perseverance right there, not just perseverance, is because if we don't have godly perseverance, then it's just perseverance moralistically or worldly perseverance. And my desire is that we would know that real change happens when we are focused and thinking of God's grace. Only then do we experience real change and real perseverance. And so you might be thinking, what does perseverance look like? Um, I would describe perseverance as something as this. Someone who presses on through obstacles and sin and challenges in life and hope to grow in the image of Jesus Christ. So this word perseverance isn't seen a lot in scripture. It's only seen a couple times. It's actually really closely related to the word steadfastness, and steadfastness is shown a lot more. So these words are pretty synonymous. Um, so this word perseverance or steadfastness, it literally means to remain under, to continue, to endure. So a question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is, do you desire to persevere? Do you desire to live out the life that God has given you, right? We're not thinking about, do I live this out perfectly, right? Because none of us could have ever lived this out perfectly. It's not about perfection. It's about, do you desire to persevere? 
And so my hope this morning is that we would all desire to persevere, not because I'm commanding it or because this is foreign to us, but because this is what the scriptures say. This is what Paul says, and we'll look at that in a second uh, of the text this morning. We see in Hebrews that Jesus is our pioneer of our faith. He is the perfecter of our faith, and he calls us he calls us to himself, not to just enter into a relationship with him, right, and coast, and we'll be in heaven one day with him, but he calls us into a, a relationship with him to endure and to persevere and to one day uh, be with him and others in heaven. So our first point this morning is we pursue the prize, and so this is going to be in verses 12 to 14. So we're going to be looking at verses 12 to 14 as our first point this morning. We pursue the prize. So verse 12 says, Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So this is a continuation from the previous discussion, the previous section that Paul's teaching on. He's declaring that he has not yet been resurrected or or been made perfect. And this is looking at verse 10 but he's still actively running the race that is in front of him. And as well, Paul understands that this perfection is only brought by God, and we see that in chapter 1, verse 6. I love what one commentator writes. This commentator writes, they say, Paul's assertion shatters any notion by by declaring that he has not yet arrived. So Paul is saying that he has not yet been made perfect. He has not yet been made complete. But one day he will And so there's a couple things that Paul shares that he hasn't obtained, right? He hasn't obtained his resurrected body. He hasn't obtained perfection, completeness, no sin. But then he does say what he's going to do, and that's pressing on, continuing to move forward. So this word press on isn't something that's passive, right? It's an active verb. Paul pursues, he presses on towards Jesus and he most likely had the Greco games in mind. And so just as a runner runs in a race, this imagery that Paul has is to press on, to pursue. And so you might be looking at that phrase where it says, to make in my own. Um, I was a little bit confused by this when I first read it, um, but to make it my own means this. So it's from the Greek word katalambano. Can we say this morning? Can we say that this morning? Katalambano. There we go. We're, learn, we're learning Greek. We're learning Greek. There we go. Um, so what this means is to take hold of, to possess, to grasp. And in Greek, there's a lot of different things we could talk about in Greek. But one of the main things in Greek when it comes to verbs is, is that there's active, middle, and passive verbs. And so in this verb, it's an active verb. So Paul is not saying that he presses on to be saved or presses on aimlessly but instead, in the active form, he presses on to possess, to take hold of it. We might, you might be thinking what it is. I promise it's not the movie It, because we would be in trouble this morning. It's not Pennywise. Um, but Paul will get to what he's telling what that is, uh, what that it is in a couple verses. So that's the active form of the verb, but he continues in the rest of the verse, if you look closely. He continues and says, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So this is in the passive form of the verb. So in the active, Paul is doing the action, 
But in the passive, Paul is being affected by the action, just as verbs are. So Paul is saying Jesus has possessed him. Jesus has taken hold of him. He has captured him. Or more specifically, Jesus has justified him. He has saved him. So in this context, Paul isn't preaching necessarily on justification with God, but he's preaching on sanctification with God. Paul pursues, he takes hold of, he grasps and proclaims that he has not yet arrived. So let's look at verse 13. Let's continue moving forward in our text this morning. So Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So this word consider, it literally means to think heavily, to calculate. And so Paul is saying that he does not think heavily or calculate that he has catalumbano, that he has taken hold of or possessed this yet. So Paul uses imagery again. So I'm going to cough really fast. (laughs) So annoying. But here we are. God uses us when we're broken, right? Okay. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Um, Where was I? So Paul uses imagery here. Maybe we can go to our uh, runner imagery here. So just as in a race, a runner runs towards their goal so too does Paul for himself, that he is running towards something. Paul isn't focused on the past, but he's moving forward. He's pressing forward. So there's a lot of things, right, in a race that could happen. There could be obstacles. There could be be poor weather. There could be a lack of practice. Maybe you just slipped on something. But the present moment in pressing forward is what Paul is having in mind here. So there's a couple phrases I want us to look at. So the forgetting what lies behind phrase. Paul probably had verses four through six, or previous section, he probably had that in mind. But he likely referred to this idea in general. So our past identity, our failures, our shortcomings. So Paul's not saying that you should never look at your past identity. You should never look at your past shortcomings or failures. But he's saying that believers should not dwell on the past. Our focus isn't on who we were in the past, but our focus is who we are now in Christ. Focus on your position now in Christ. That's what, Paul, that's what Paul's getting at. Not who you once were, was an, which was an alien, right? We were all aliens to God. We were all enemies to God. We were all trespassers to God, but now we are children of God. We are heirs of God. We are saints of God. And I love what Pastor Tom said a couple weeks ago, right? The the word sinners, we aren't described as sinners. I think a lot of times we think, oh, I'm a sinner still because I sin. Well, yes, we sin, but we're not called sinners anymore. We're called these couple things that I just mentioned. Children of God, heirs of God, saints. This is the language that we need to meditate on. His grace and his mercy. So we get to the next phrase, which says, straining forward to what lies ahead. So like a runner who's using every ounce of themselves to reach the finish line, it isn't something we casually do, right, when you run, but it means to exert all of our energy or all of ourselves to it. That's what this phrase means, is exerting all of ourselves to the finish line. And so you can kind of think of a time 
where you've had to exert all of your energy towards something, whether that's something physically or emotionally or socially or spiritually, whatever it might be, right? You've exerted all of yourselves to it. Maybe at work, you're working on a project and your boss is hammering home on you, hating to get this done by this deadline. And you're like, all right, I got it. And so you might have to work overtime. You might have to stay at the office for a little bit longer. And so that's that idea of exerting all of yourself, straining forward to that project, straining forward to get that complete. So again, we forget what lies behind, which is our past identity, our past failures, past shortcomings, and straining forward with all of ourselves to the prize, which is in verse 14. Verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul uses the phrase press on. He pursues, he presses on towards the goal. And just as you would imagine, with the goal, there's a mark, it means a marker, right? Or, or a finish line in a race, specifically in this context. And so this marker means two things in the Christian life. When we get to the goal, that's either when we die or when Jesus returns, but we know both of those or one of those are going to happen. So I love this, where Paul says this. He says, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Church, this is what Paul has been preaching about this whole time. This is the it. This is the prize of all prizes This is what he's exerting all of his energy with all that he can have to go towards Jesus Christ, who's his ultimate prize. In verse 12, where he says he presses on to take hold of, to possess, to grasp, when he says that phrase, he's referring to Jesus Christ, his ultimate prize. He presses on to the finish line so he can be in heaven with Jesus and other believers. And this isn't different. This is actually first seen in chapter 1. In chapter 1, in verse 23, Paul actually says that he'd rather depart and be with Jesus. But he says, because I love you, Philippian believers, because I care about you, I'm going to continue to do my ministry here. But the point is that he wants to dwell and be with Jesus. He wants to long and be with Jesus. And Paul understood that although he will never be complete, he will never be perfect, he strenuously, with all effort that he can, press on this race because one day he will be complete. One day he will be perfect and have no pain, have no sin, and be with Jesus and his people forever. So this pursuit of running this race with all our strength isn't something so we can attain salvation, isn't something so we feel closer to God or earn God's love. No, Paul says this because this is what God calls him to. This is what God calls all of us believers to, which is maturity in Christ. As we persevere, as we pursue Christ, God is changing us and making us into the image of his son, Jesus, right? We will continue to sin. We will continue to fail and fall short and have pain and have sorrow, but God calls us to follow Jesus and press on. Are you pursuing the prize? 
Are you pursuing Jesus? I love what Hebrews 12.1 says. It says, let us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us. So we run this race not by our own strength, because Lord knows we would only make it a couple feet. Not by our own might or not by our own desire, right? Because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But in me, you can have life and life abundantly. And we are able to run to and we are able to run to run the race because of Jesus. So I think there's three helpful ways that can help us kind of unpack this um, and break it down a little bit more practically as we pursue the prize, as we pursue Jesus. There's a couple things. The first one is we cling to God's praise. I wanted to sit in this, or I wanted to start with this one because I don't want us to be moralistic. I don't want us to be thinking about doing because the Christian life is not about doing. It isn't. It's about being. And you might be thinking, well, Julian, you just talked a lot about doing. <laughs> like, how does that add up? Um, there is a doing part in the Christian life, but God calls us to be and know that he is God and we sit in his grace. We sit and we bask in his unmerited favor. That's what grace is, that he gives to us each and every day. And we, when we don't have this in mind, it becomes worldly perseverance. When we don't have this in mind, it becomes moralistic perseverance. I'm going to do the, I'm going to start serving at church because of X, Y, and Z. Or I'm going to start doing this because of X, Y, and Z. That's the wrong formula, uh, formula or equation. I think what a better one is, because I know that I am fully loved, because of God's grace, because of his goodness, I'm going to live out my life and serve people. Or I'm going to live out my life and love uh, people. And so I want us to be a church that has this framework where we think and sit and we cling to God's grace. The second one is we acknowledge the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we know that God's Spirit, it leads us, it guides us to all truth, and by the Spirit we can say no to sin. We can have peace in times that make no sense, right? I'm sure you could, there's probably a time you can think of or it was a difficult time. It was this weekend. Maybe it was a couple weeks ago. Maybe you're just in a really tough season. And the Holy Spirit is there to guide us, to comfort us, to lead us to all truth. I love how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. He describes one of the, tra- or one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit as our helper. Have you ever had a time where you're praying to God and you're trying to find the words to say, and you might be crying, or you're just like totally out of it. And you're like, Father, I have no clue what I'm saying right now, but I'm going to try to find the words to say to you right now. Well, it's the Holy Spirit that intercedes for us, that helps us in moments when we have nothing to say, but we want to say something to the Lord. We want to find the words, and God sees that. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and guides us when we pray. And the last one is we are in community with other believers. So it's extremely important to be in a body of believers, to be a part of a local church and serve and find community there. As we know, God never intended all of us to be alone and isolated. He called us to be in community with one another. So this might look like joining a life group here, 
right? If that's something that you're interested, I'd love to talk with you about that. Or maybe that's finding another couple and grabbing dinner or finding another friend and having a conversation, just how life is, how are you doing, and trying to be there for them. So we know that this one is really important, is that we live or we are in community with other believers. So as we pursue Jesus, as we pursue the prize, God will sanctify us. He will change us. He will get rid of all the filth and sin in our lives and make us more into the image of Jesus. And I want us to be a church that is fully surrendered to Christ fully surrendered, not perfect, right? Not perfect, but fully surrendered to Jesus Christ, blameless, holy, pursuing the goal of the prize, which we know is Jesus. So we're going to get to our second point this morning. Our second point is found in the next two verses. Verses 15 and 16. Our second point this morning is we prioritize the prize. Let me read these verses. Paul says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. If anything, you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So we don't only just pursue the prize, um, but we prioritize Jesus in all things. And so some here in the church of Philippi uh, most likely did not think this way. That's why Paul's saying this. And Paul is calling them out to align their thinking, set their minds on what he's been saying in the previous verses, which are these three things. You have not yet arrived. You must not dwell in the past, and you must continue to move forward towards the prize. That's what he's getting at. That's what he's referring to when he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And Paul isn't just preaching to these believers. He's saying, I'm included in this, right? He isn't saying you, Philippian believers. He says, us. Do you catch that? He says, us. Let us think this way. Not all of you need to think this way because I've made it or I'm better than you. But he's affirming again that he has not yet made it to the finish line and all of us here are no different. And another thing to add is Paul isn't, defining what spiritual maturity is, but he's saying, for those who are mature in Christ, you set your minds on what he's been talking about. Those who are mature followers of Christ, they set their minds on knowing they have not yet arrived, that they don't dwell and live in the past, but they continue to move forward and persevere towards the prize. And then that next phrase that Paul says, he says, and if in anything you think otherwise... God will reveal that also to you. So this means that God will make fully known this truth that Paul is getting at here. There are some Philippian believers who struggle to understand or even believe what Paul is saying here. But what what Paul is saying is God will make it clear to you. He will make it um, very known to you about what this means. And this isn't about dividing spiritual maturity or those who are mature followers of Christ with lesser mature, uh, mature followers of Christ. That's not what's getting at here because this is what we see in the next verse. So this is exactly what Paul says in the next verse. He says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. I'm going to be a little snob here, but I don't really like how it says it in the ESV or in the NIV with the word only. 
I'm not an expert at all, but uh, with the Greek text, I feel like it does provide us a little bit better uh, with how to read that word only. And so in the Greek, it is actually in any case or it's important that. So I'm going to read it again because I think it helps clarify this verse. So in any case or it's important that, let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul's reminding these believers to keep the main thing the main thing. Have you guys heard of that before? Keep the main thing the main thing. When you get into a disagreement with someone at work, right, and you're arguing over a project or arguing over maybe some interpersonal conflict, well, keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is that you guys are coworkers. You guys are working together. Or when you get into a disagreement with someone at home, keep the main thing the main thing, which is you guys are family or friends or whoever that might be. B, and the reason why I say that is because God is most concerned with Christian unity rather than division, deciding who's spiritually mature or not. God is most concerned with, um, I just blank for a second. God is most concerned with Christian unity rather than spiritual maturity. And we need to look at verses like this, not be so set on, oh, I think I'm spiritually mature. I don't know if that person is because they don't think this way, right? That, is, that shouldn't be our mindset. Our mindset should be what God is calling us to in this verse. We have all been bought by the blood of Jesus, and he calls us to live in harmony with one another. And so the focus here is that we prioritize Christ not prioritize spiritual maturity, right? We prioritize Christ, not spiritual maturity. That doesn't mean we don't look to it. We don't want to be spiritual mature. I'm not saying that. We all should want that. But we should all prioritize Christ above anything else. I want us to look at verse 15 again really quickly. Um, I want to speak to those who don't think this way, what Paul is getting at here who think you've made it, or you keep living in the past. Maybe you're someone here who doesn't grasp the idea of our sinful nature still, and that since we are in Christ, we no longer sin, or we're good people. But we we know that the Bible doesn't talk about good people, right? For no one is good. All of us were dead, and all of us who know Christ are made alive in Jesus. It's not about bad people being good. It's about dead people being made alive alive. Or maybe you have a seminary degree or being a Christian your whole life, and when you read a verse like this, being the spiritually mature, you start to think that you've made it to the finish line. Or maybe you're kind of close and inching your way there. Or maybe you're someone who dwells on the past identity you once had. And when it comes to a time of sharing your testimony, it's all about the before. It's all about who you were before you came to know Christ. And there's so many more false truths we could think of, but above all else, God calls us to spiritual maturity. That's what Colossians 1.28 says, that we would all be mature, all be mature in Jesus Christ. I love what 2 Corinthians 4.16 also says. It says, we do not lose heart, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So as you persevere 
It may not feel like you're growing at Christ, but in times when you feel it or not, God is and always will be at work in our lives. And we all know there's good seasons. We all know there's tough seasons. We all know there's okay seasons. And in all of those seasons, God is at work in our lives, right? God is working in our lives to make all things good for his purpose that is in Christ Jesus. So when I look at this verse, right, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, the outside might be wasting away, whether it's our physical body, whether it's sin, and just working through some sin. We know that God is renewing us day by day. So as we conclude, I want us to go back to uh, the main idea this morning. We know that godly perseverance leads to godly character. So as we persevere through God's grace and his mercy each day, we live out our lives for him. So you might be asking either now or earlier throughout this message, Julian, why do I persevere? Why do I press on towards Christ? I don't say this in a mean way, but I'm just asking, why do I persevere? Why do we as Christians have to persevere and press on towards Christ? I think the better question is, why don't we persevere? Why don't we press on towards Christ? God has given us life and life abundantly to enjoy him. We would be foolish to not pursue Christ, but be wise in doing so. For all of us, all of us here, every person, every believer will stand before God with every account of the life that we have lived. Every evil deed and every good deed will be exposed. And my hope, one of my greatest desires, if not my greatest desire, is that we would be a body that stands before Jesus and hears, well done, good and faithful servant. And us as a church, do we want that? Do we desire that? Do we want to live in that? I'm going to take, God's going to take an account of my life and how I led Paula and how I cared for God's people. And all of us are taking into account the life that you have lived as well. Again, right? Every good deed, every evil deed. This should cause us godly fear, right? Un- not unhealthy fear, but this should give us some reverence and godly fear to know this truth. So we know that in Christ alone we are able to persevere. In Christ alone we are able to run this race that is set before us. And one day, right, one day we will be with God forever and eternity. Perfection, harmony, no sin, no conflict, no pain, no struggle. But on earth right now, again, right, what are those two things? Unless we die or unless Jesus returns, we pursue Jesus and we prioritize Jesus. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for giving us life, 
God. You have justified us. You have given us the righteousness of Jesus. We are so thankful for that, God, because we do not deserve that, Lord. And I pray that we would be a body that presses on towards you, Jesus, that we press on towards you, and you would help us each and every day, giving us grace and mercy each day, Father. Help us live in that and help us acknowledge that, Father. We thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.